This morning we're going to talk about the glory of God. And I want to just, before we even get going too far, I want to just confess something to you. Can I do that? I want to confess to you that I am going to fail you today. I'm going to fail you today, miserably in fact. Because I can't put into words that will equal the glory of God. And we can't put on a screen what would show you even just a little bit of the glory of God. And I'm going to do my best in a minute, but you know what? I can't define the glory of God. The best way I know is to look at Scripture together. So can we do that? Just in this, in this mode, in this feeling, in this attitude this morning. Genesis 1, verse 3 says this, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And we'll skip down to verse 14. It says, And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And, so, and it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. It's the beginning of our story here. This is an image from the Hubble telescope. This is not like a fake graphic designer image. This is an actual image of just a little tiny snippet of the universe that we got from NASA. I just want you to, would you focus your eyes on that image, please? Just focus on the grandeur and the beauty of that image just for a moment. As I read this next Scripture from Psalm 33 and verse 6. Keep looking at that, that image. It says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host, by the breath of his mouth. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. You see, the Lord didn't even have to raise a hand or a finger. He just breathed and created the universe. Now listen, I don't know about you, but today we're going to be talking about some things that they just blow my mind. And the idea is that hopefully they will blow your mind as well. That's the point, right? That is the beginning of the glory of God. One of my favorite uh, writers and authors is a guy by the name of Louis Giglio. And he uses this example that I thought I would share with us this morning. He, he talks about the fact that the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. Think about that just for a second. 186,000 miles per second. Now, many of you 
drive at 80 miles per hour. I mean, us, I'll say us, I'll say us. But just think about this. 186,000 miles per second. So when the Lord breathed the starry host into existence out of his mouth at 186,000 miles per second, the speed of light came the starry host. 5.88 trillion miles is considered a light year. You see, as we talked this morning for a few minutes, we can't even use words like miles or seconds or even years because they're too small for what we're going to talk about. So we're going to come, this is a, a new term we're going to use, right? Light year. 5.88 trillion miles is considered a light year. So if you're a sci-fi geek or, or, or smart person, period, you're probably going to love this conversation today because these numbers and these things are way beyond me. I want to show you another picture. This is a picture of the Whirlpool Galaxy, a real image from the Hubble telescope. Isn't that gorgeous? Just look at that. Now listen, just in that one galaxy are 300 billion stars. Just in that one galaxy, 300 billion stars. And it, this galaxy is only one of billions of other galaxies. Do you remember how far a light year is? 5.88 trillion miles. This galaxy from where we sit today is 31 million light years away. They took the Hubble telescope and they focused it to the very center of the galaxy and they found in the very center a black hole. This is the image. Even the farthest reaches of the universe is a representation of our Savior holding the world together. Isn't that amazing? I want to show you a picture of a star you're really familiar with. It's becoming more and more present every day as the seasons change. This is our sun. We only have one sun, one star, I should say, in our galaxy. It's our sun. Our sun, we're so familiar with, right? It is 93 million miles away from us. Again, try to wrap your brain around this. And it is a million times bigger than our earth. So, got a little... I'm not very good with these things. Occasionally I play with them, but they're, I'm not very good with them. If this was our earth, okay, if this was our planet, you see yourself on there somewhere? Are you starting to feel a little insignificant and small? If this was the size of our planet, our sun would be 15 feet in diameter, okay? You could fit 960,000 of our earths inside the space of the sun. Sounds pretty big, doesn't it? It's a massive star, and yet it's only one of billions that our God has created. I'll show you another, another star. This is called uh, Betelgeuse, or some people call it Betelgeuse star. 
a long ways away. If this is the earth and you were to go to Manhattan and you were to put this earth at the bottom of the Empire State Building and then put five other Empire State Buildings on top of that Empire State Building, it would be how big Beetlejuice is. You can fit 262 trillion Earths inside the Beetlejuice star. But that's not the biggest one. Here's another one. This is called Musifi. The Musifi star, if you were to take Earth and go out to San Francisco and set it down at the edge of the Golden Gate Bridge and get far enough on the other side of the bay so that you could see the whole bridge and then add another Golden Gate Bridge to it. And if you could somehow focus in on your little earth, that would be how big in comparison Musifi is. You can fit, here's a term I'm not that familiar with. You can fit 2.7 quadrillion earths inside the space of Musifi. I can't wrap my brain around that. So this is what I want to do. I want to break this down. If you're like me, you're kind of going, that means nothing to me. What is, quad, what is a quadrillion, right? Everybody knows what a million is, right? This means yes. This means no. Uh, so we have a million, all right? Well, if you have uh, a billion, that's a thousand million, right? If you have a trillion, that's a thousand billion. If you have quadrillion, that's a thousand billion trillion. Again, I can't wrap my brain around this, so let's see if we can help us out a little bit. If we looked at it in terms of seconds, they go by like this, right? A million seconds ago was 12 days. Okay? It kind of gives us a sense of how, how much a million is. Do you know how far we've passed a billion seconds? Anybody got a guess? If that was 12 days ago, what do you think a billion is? Two months? Six months? You'd be wrong. Uh, A billion seconds ago is 1987. Does that give you a sense between a billion and a million? Now, Now, wait a second. How long ago was a trillion seconds? How long ago was a trillion seconds? 29,700 BC. So here's one more. How, how, how long ago is a quadrillion seconds? 30,830,000 years ago. We can't comprehend the greatness of our God and the glory of our God, and yet we haven't seen the biggest star that they found. This is, this is the biggest star they found. It's called Canis Majoris. It literally means the big dog star, and it is. Listen, if you were to go and set Earth at the bottom of Mount Everest, that would give you some aspect of the ratio of the size of Canis Majoris. 
You can fit seven quadrillion earths inside Canis Majoris. There's a little video here. It's about a minute long. It doesn't have any sound. As we play it, I'm going to continue to talk, but I I want you to just kind of wrap your brain around some of this scope or size. This is an order of bigness. It's just our galaxy, right? Here we are. See yourself? Whoa, there's Neptune. Keep your eye on Earth and Little Rock, Arkansas, if you would, please. South City Church, where do we go? Wait a second, here's our sun. Didn't even talk about those guys. Didn't even talk about Arcturus. Are you, are you getting a sense of the size and scope? Here we come. I mean, it's almost absurd. Here's Musifi. And Canis Majoris. Will you just close your eyes for a moment? Can we just sing the doxology together? Can we just sing this together? praise you enough we feel so insignificant (laughs) so easy God to look at a, a video like that or pictures like that and say Lord how could you see us much less care and yet you do Lord I pray that everything that is done today and everything that is done in the life of South City Church will be done for the glory of God Help us to wrap our minds today around what that means and give us the courage to live in such a way that we could bring you glory with our lives. We worship you today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pete. So we've been in a message series called The Why, and we've talked about our vision statement. You see, we believe that the why is the great commission of Jesus, right? to go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them all the things that he's taught us, baptizing them, right? So in order to do that, we have to create a culture in our church that allows us to do that with all of our hearts and to the best of our ability. So our vision statement is South City Church exists to love God and all people, right? By becoming authentic disciples who make disciples for the glory of God 
and the good of the city. Like I said, we're going to focus today on the glory of God part. As I looked at this, I started feeling really dumb, to be honest with you. And I started looking at some really great theologians, some of my favorite writers and authors and speakers, and every one of them started like this. It's really hard to do this. <laughs> I'm thinking, if you can't do it, how am I supposed to? It's really hard to define what the glory of God is. But John Piper says this. He says, it's the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. Tim Keller says this, it's the combined indescribable attributes of God, the sum total infinite, indescribable beyondness of God. I love that, the beyondness of God. It's hard to describe and explain. So again, let's look, let's look at Scripture we go to uh, the experience that Isaiah had as he was worshiping the Lord. Isaiah 6, and verse 3 says this. Cherubim and seraphim were worshiping the Lord and they begin to say, and Isaiah took note of it, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So everywhere you walk today, anywhere on this planet, you can experience the glory of God, according to those angels. And Psalm 19.1 says this, the heavens declare the glory of our God. We've just seen that, right? And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. John Piper says that with the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies, it's like they're shouting the glory of God everywhere you look. The glory of God everywhere we walk and everything that we see. Romans eleven thirty three explains it like this. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given him a gift that we might repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. The Hebrew word for glory is this. Kavod. Kavod. I'm sorry. Kavod. Not, my Hebrew is not that great. K-A-V-O-D. If you're taking notes today. The Hebrew word for glory is kavod. This is what it means. It means weightiness. It means uh, importance. So when you give someone glory, you're giving them uh, a gravity, a weightiness. Someone of, of great impor importance walks into our room, you feel the atmosphere change because of the weight that they carry, right? English word kind of defines it as uh, matter. So in other words, it's not just weighty, but it matters. It's of greatest importance. Greek word for glory is a different word. It is doxa. It has a different meaning, a little bit. It says uh, that it means the praise and wonder, luminosity, beauty. You see, so when we make someone more important or give them more weight or gravity or glory, what we're doing is we're making them the center of the universe when clearly we know now God is the center of the universe. And he's the only one worthy 
of glory. In fact, no one will get his glory. He will get his own glory for himself. There's nothing we can do to stop it. The cool thing about these two definitions, I think, is this. Kavod and doxa, they, they're weighty and yet beautiful. In other words, there's something in, in the human soul that draws us. It, it draws us to the glory of God. I think about Moses, right? Top of Mount Sinai, and he's, he's experiencing the glory of God, and he says, oh, Lord, let me see your glory. He's drawn. He wants to see the glory of God. And yet God says what? I, I can't show you my glory. If I show you my glory, you'll, you'll die. He's too holy. He's too good. He's too perfect. I can't show you my glory or you'll die. And yet Moses says, show me your glory. So I just think about it for us in our Christian walk. You see, we worship God. We live for the Lord because of his weight, because of his glory, because of his importance. He matters. But not just because we have to, because we're drawn to. We're drawn to his beauty. His glory draws us to himself. But this is what we do with his glory. We, we steal it. We want to steal it anyway. We want to take his glory. It's not enough just to let that be his glory and us worship him from the beginning, right? Just a couple of chapters after that passage we read this morning in Genesis 1, we see that this creation that God has made, this people, this race of people, let's just go back there for a second, can we, in Eden? Perfect, beautiful, people running around naked, or naked for some people who need the People running around naked, and it was perfect and beautiful and wonderful. And they're, they're like, this is awful. I hate this. But if I was in charge, I think, you know, we could make some changes. It'd be, it'd be okay. We steal God's glory. Or at least we want to. That's what Adam and Eve wanted to do. They wanted to take his glory. Andy Stanley says, stars do a good job. Moon does a good job. Creation does a pretty good job of bringing God glory. But he says, we, the human race, we have the most potential to bring God glory because we're created in his image. Stars aren't created in his image. The earth is not created in his image. You are created in his image. Therefore, you have the greatest opportunity and the greatest potential to bring him glory. But we hijack it. And when we do, we all know things get worse. They don't get better. We continue to think, if my life, if my job, if my finances, if my desires are in the center of the universe, that's where, that's where I need to be. And so I'll focus everything I am on, that's what matters most. No. God will only take what he can only be, the center of the universe, bring himself glory. We are not the source of glory. He is. Stanley says this, I like it. He says, we're created to be mirrors, not light bulbs. We're created to be mirrors, not light bulbs. We're, our job is to reflect the glory of God. We have no source of energy. We have no source of light, no source of anything. We just reflect the glory of God. So if you were to go home right now, 
Hopefully you all turned your electricity off, you know. Or in the middle of the night, you're walking to your bathroom and you looked in your mirror, you wouldn't see much, would you? Because your mirror does not give a source of light. It only reflects light. Only reflects light when you turn the light on and you see the light from the reflection. We're not the source of glory. We're only supposed to reflect it. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It's his light. It's not ours. It's his glory. It's not ours. It's his story. It's not ours. I don't know about you, but what I, this is what I do. I make God so small. Do your prayers sound anything like this? Lord, I really need your help. I just, I need help with my family. I need, I need help with my job. I need, I, 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 me, 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 I. Does that sound familiar? And we even make our prayers self-centered. As if we're the source. In fact, we want, we want God to be the mirror. Lord, I've got plans. Would you... Would you uh, just bless my plans? We have ideas, we have thoughts, we have dreams. Would you just, would you reflect those? No, no. We've got it backwards. It's all his. He's the source of glory and we should reflect him. We've got to stop making the God of the universe the one who breathed the stars. Wait on us. Respond to us or serve us. You know, I love this image. When you look at the moon in the, in the night sky, and it's beautiful and perfect. You know what I'm talking about? It's just gorgeous. It's most beautiful when it's reflecting the sun most completely. What does the moon look like if it's not reflecting the sun? Dark and dusty. Just like your soul. If we're not reflecting the light of Jesus the only thing we can reflect is darkness. That's the only thing. So let me ask you this. What does an infinite star-breathing God do with a creation who has rebelled against him? A traitorous race of people. What, what does he do with us? I know what I would do. In fact, I know what I deserve. There's no question about it. I think I'd probably just exterminate them right just start over this is a mess they have messed this whole thing up let's just start over is that what God did no but yet this infinite God this thing about God is that he requires perfection he requires holiness because that's who he is he can't help but be perfect in his holiness so did he wipe us out did he send us his wrath He sent us his son. John 1.14 says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I go back to that video on my mind where the earth big and just smaller and smaller. By the way, at the end when you saw Canis Majoris, you couldn't even make a, a pinprick and it be 
as small as the earth is in comparison. And yet, the God of the universe came and took on flesh as us and made his dwelling place among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Hebrews 1.3 says this, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus didn't humble himself just to show his glory. God's wrath had to be satisfied. It had to be satisfied. And so the star-breathing God, the star-breathing God came to satisfy that wrath on our behalf. I love this scripture. I want you to just think about those images, the greatness, the immensity of our God as we read this in Philippians chapter 2. He says this, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the power of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God was highly exalted. He highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father just reminds you that in Genesis, it says, he created man in our image. Remember that? This is a Trinitarian comment. In other words, the Trinity was involved in creation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus wasn't just present for creation. He created. Right? He created. He breathed the stars into place. And yet he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself of that position, of that title. And he took on the form of this broken, rebellious creation so that he could save us. He humbled himself. And when he did, listen, God exalted him. With a name above every name so that every single knee would bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. See this morning, listen. Here's the truth, friends. It doesn't matter if you believe in God or not this morning about God's glory. He still gets his glory. Doesn't matter if you're living for Jesus today, walking in the truth of who he is. or He's still going to get his glory. And one day, whether you believe it or not, according to this scripture, everyone's knee, every creature's knee, everyone in heaven, everyone on earth, everyone under the earth, everything will bow in submission to the glory of Jesus. And every tongue confess that he is Lord. Listen, I I, I love this. As is big... As immense as our God is, it just blows my mind. I can't, I can't even fathom it all. 
in the greatness of our God, he's also great and wonderful in the tiniest of things. How appropriate, right, for, for us today on Mother's Day to consider even how we're created in our mother's womb. How amazing, such an amazing, I'll, I'll never forget when Lori and I finally got pregnant, you know, and by the way, let me just add this in here. Many of you know this, but we struggled with infertility. Uh, we, were, we had been married for 12 years before we had our first child. And it was one of the most difficult things we've ever walked through. And so we know that today, for some of you who are not mothers and you long to be, we know that this is a difficult day. So we want to acknowledge that. We want to pray for you. We want to love you. And we know that maybe you didn't have a great experience with your mother. And this is a difficult day. But God is enough. And we just pray that you would trust in his plan and his goodness. I know that's where my wife and I were for a long time. Pleading, crying out for God. Lord, why not? I remember we got a book when we finally did get pregnant. 12 years into marriage. And it kind of goes through all the stages of what the baby is, how its baby is forming, right? Just think with me here again for a moment. One cell from your mother and one cell from your father find each other somehow, right? Carrying 23 chromosomes each, half of her DNA and half of his DNA. And when they form, they, they connect to form a new DNA code using four nucleotide, which now we know is three billion characters long. If you were to stretch that out, listen, if you were to stretch that code out, it would take you 96 years to read it. And that code is in every one of your cells in your body. And you have 75 trillion cells that make up your body. And every three seconds, 50,000 cells die. And every three seconds, 50,000 new cells are created. How great is our God? Giglio says this. He says there's a, it's actually called a, a cell adhesion molecule. Maybe molecular biologists in the room today? Just me? Okay. Um, so there's this little protein in our bodies. It's a little protein. It literally holds our cells together. Our skin is being held together right now because of this little protein called laminin. It's a really amazing thing. And a molecular biologist came up to Giglio and said, man, you, you really need to see what laminin looks like under a microscope because it, it kind of blows my mind. I want to show you a picture of laminin. It exists in every one of your cells. That's what it looks like. Isn't that amazing? Holding us together right now. Laminin, a little protein that holds our cells together. So from the farthest reaches of the galaxy and the universe, we see an image representing that of Jesus all the way to the smallest, minute detail in every cell of our bodies. Jesus holds all things together. Isn't that what Scripture says? That's what he says. Colossians 1, 
15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, right? (laughs) Outer space in, in us, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Isn't that good? And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Some of you this morning might be sitting here and you're saying, doesn't feel like he's holding my life together. Doesn't feel like he's holding my heart together. It doesn't feel like he's holding my dreams or my plans or my desires together. I get it. But in the same way that he's holding the earth in such a way, that it spins and doesn't burn up. (laughs) That he gives us just the precise amount of sunshine so that we don't freeze. Even though you don't understand it and you don't see it, he is holding you together. A baby being formed in its mother's womb at five months. (laughs) I just love, I love our God. A million optic nerves leave your brain as a five-month-old child being developed, and they find their exact match of a million uh, optic nerves that leave your eye. And when the moment, they say, the moment they find their exact match out of a million, you have sight. Isn't that phenomenal? Doctors, they can't figure it out. In fact, at about the sixth month, Something happens over the skin of your eye. Something begins to happen. Like a little cutting device just begins to slice open that skin. And all of a sudden you have eyelids. Doctors don't understand. It's a mystery. (laughs) It's a mystery. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I I just pause again. And I say, godly mothers are an extension of the goodness and grace of Jesus. Moms, you're amazing. And when you sacrifice all that you do, and listen, every one of us in here, we know that you do. You give selflessly, tirelessly, for years and years and years. We can't say thank you enough. We can't say thank you enough. But when we do it, ladies, and soon men will talk about you too, but when we do it together as believers in Jesus, we represent the beauty of our God in the grace of Jesus. Even, listen, even in the the monotony of what is mundane every single day. My wife's telling me recently, she's like, just in the stuff that it's like, oh, dishes or oh, clothes or oh, whatever. God is doing something in you and because of you, right? This is what scripture says, for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. 
So whether you eat or drink or do laundry or dishes, whatever you do, sitting at school waiting on those kids, do all to the glory of God. Even in what's mundane, we can experience the glory of God. And we're going to finish this morning. Listen, on, on your bulletin, I've given you a, full, a few fill-in spaces here. This is what I want to give them to you quickly this morning. What does it mean for us as we've tried in just a small little simple way as I know how to explain the beyondness of the glory of God? What does that mean to South City Church? What does it mean as we try to love God, right, individually and collectively? What does it mean as we love all people individually and collectively? And what does it mean for us to become authentic disciples who make disciples for the glory of God? This is what I, I think it means. It means that he is worthy of being the center of our universe individually and collectively. Of everything that's going on in your life, he's worthy of being the very center of it. It means we're drawn, we're drawn to him. Doxa, the Greek word for glory. We're drawn to his beauty, to his light, to his goodness. We're drawn to worship the beauty and wonder of who he is as a church. I think it means that he's the source and we can only reflect his glory. We're not glory ourselves. We have no glory to give. We can only reflect it to our community. We can only reflect it to each other. We can only reflect it to the world around us. It means that we should have the mind of Christ, according to Philippians 2, humbling ourselves in sacrifice for others. And here's the last thing. It means we understand by God's grace, it's his story. And he holds it all together. It's his story. It's his glory. And he holds it all together. I encourage you this morning, listen, maybe tonight, when it finally gets dark, just walk outside and take a look. Isn't it amazing that we have that, those, those images around us every day? We have the sun shining on us every day. The glory of God that has filled the earth, and yet we just kind of get numb to it, don't we? We just go every day, and we don't think about the greatness of our God. Maybe today we could just look up and remember that we're seeing, we're living in, and we can give credence to from our lives the glory of God. We're going to sing a song in a minute. If, if you have a prayer need, listen, this morning, you can pray right, right where you are. If you want to come down here to the altar and pray or have questions or if we can pray with you as pastors, we would love to do that. Um, we'll be down here. Whatever you need to do in this moment to seek and find and engage with our great, magnificent God. Would you do that? Whatever he's laid on your heart, whatever thing is going on in your mind, in your life, would you just say, God, I, 
You hold it all together. And would you give me the faith to remember that? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the glory of who you are. Though we don't understand it and it's bigger than we could ever imagine, we submit to it, Lord. We know that we are supposed to be mirrors and not light bulbs. God, would you help us to reflect the glory of who you are and not try and take it for ourselves, not steal it. But Lord, even though, even though we've tried, even though we've tried to make ourselves most important in the center of the universe, God, we know and we're so thankful that you sent Jesus to redeem us, to pay the penalty of that wrath that had to be settled. So Jesus, if there's one person in this place this morning that doesn't know you, God, my prayer is that they would hear this story, that they could know you and trust you and find you, no matter how their life may be falling apart, so that you too, God, you would hold them together. We bless you, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' precious and wonderful, magnificent name star-breathing God you are, and you can breathe life and hope and peace into us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.